Hey guys, this is Murr, the editor of Escape Pod here, about to explain something very embarrassing. We've been doing this for so long, oftentimes we don't check up on each other. And we had some miscommunication between the editor, the producer, and the host of this week's. Uh, Norm incorrectly states that these are the winners of our Flash competition from our forums. They're not. This is just a plain old Flash episode with three stories that I purchased throughout the year. And we'll be showcasing our Flash winners from that forum choice contest later this year. So really sorry about the mix-up, guys. And I hope you enjoy the show. Escape Pond, 372, November 29th, 2012, Flash Fiction Special. Hello and welcome to Escape Pod, your weekly science fiction podcast. I'm Norm Sherman. This week we've got something special for you folks. We're running the winners of our third annual Flash Fiction Contest, which has been going on in our discussion forums since July. We're proud to bring you Tornado on Fire by Luke Reed, Echoes of the Bouncing Ball by Paul Selmer, and Health Tips for Traveler by Dave Goldman. The stories are read to you by Escape Pod's own Wunder editor, Mer Lafferty. So get your kinfolk out of the cowfield and into the barn. A storm's a-comin'. And it's story time. Health Tips for Traveler by David W. Goldman Since the short time for mutual greetings of worlds, many Earther wish to visit the lovely world of Puquar peoples. This explainer before so will bring yourselves a voyage most lovely. Within the Transit The travel via cross-continuum portal will be novel to many Earther, Hydration is a paramount for not having the small problems of liver, marrow, blood tubes, and self-memory. Also good before your trip is to make fat, especially under the skin. The scrawny traveler should begin preparation many week prior. Portal is sudden and then done. But many earthers say after that they think the journey is very, very, very long and never to stop. Thus is earther brain supposed bad attuned to one or more of the interim journey continuum. For thus, non-conscious makes for the most lovely travel. Means of non-conscious, both pharmacological and percussive, are on offer by helpful Puquar portal agents. As the early days. Because subtle differences in physics regulations from what most earther are parochially accustomed, The traveler is suggested to acclimate in the horizontal position until local niceties of unreliant gravity, timekeeping, and atmospheric presence become appreciated. Acclimation such will entertain you for no more than two, or for some traveler, twenty or thirty, days. While thus occupied with your appreciation of localness, helpful Puquar hostelry staff persons will provide you with lovely hydration and fat-making nutritionals. For your best healths, stint not on your consumption. Touring the Out Vicinity While you delight yourselves in the appreciation of very known scenics, such as the flowing upfalls of Nagbaf, the lesser half-dark big hole, the plain of many breath sucks, and such other lovely vicissitudes, 
some attention to health and safeness are ordered. First most, if urgent advised by helpful Pukwar tour leader, immediately disobey not. Your very life endurance may happen. This is especially as pertains to stepping away from lovely trails, consuming unadvised nutritionals, perusing explainers offered by exiled dissident non-persons, or providing unsolicited refreshment to local flora, fauna, other life beings. Next, maintenance your lovely all-enwrapping tourist jumpsuit and coverall always. The presentation of the skin, even a small only piece of the skin, is discouraged for health. This from the fad of local life beings to reproduce by injecting seed forms into passing faunas, later to germinate and partake of the subcutaneous lipids in achieving bigness. Thus is best always your jumpsuit and coverall with integrity. Small note. In event of any rash of discolor or tendrils from the skin, please notify immediately your helpful Pukwar tour leader for the swift extirpation. In finality, avoid districts of elevated temperature and humidity. In these grow the grubs of local life beings, who may exhibit unsolicited hunger of lovely earther visitor. After leaving the out-vicinities, you should place the above-spoken biologic factual concerns far from your self-memories. Of the Urban Jollity In welcome for your subsequent your joyful tours of the out-vicinities, the Pukwar peoples of the city-fied regions will ply you unsparingly with lovely bring-home curios and appliances, and also nutritionals without betterment for taste and skin fat making. Enjoy all these with loveliness. In the cities is no great harm for concern of health, but be full of alert to avoiding speech from irksome disagreeers with lovely policies of the governings of the Pukwar peoples. Such talkers of stupid are not amiable with the lovely earther to travel of yourselves across continuum and returning with lovely Pukwar guests. If approached by busybody of imbecile forebodings regarding earther travel, heed not but called loud and with strident. Many are the friendly Pukwar peoples who find lovely the earther holding of limextrusions and greetings. With such friendly Pukwar enjoyed with protruding outstretched, please enjoy the removing of any encumbrance, glove, sleeve, or trouser legs for sharing in the lovely joint holding of limb parts. Stay fast so long as to experience lovely sensation of pleasing, tingling, warmth, and small piercings. All is joy then for your new friend and yourselves. In rarity, the earther of sympathy and astute may note a small beautification of the skin with lovely color or perhaps small outswellings. When such occurs within urbanity, please request of any apothecary for much cream of obscuration, so as to prevent envy and jealous from other earther during your remaining voyage and after return. For your final days of the lovely world of the Pukwar Peekwools, enjoy many sights and tastings, while arranging your self-memories for later, saying to lovely earther friends to make soon visits of themselves. After the Returning to follow your restore of conscious after portal journey, seek out many earther friends to say of the joy of your most lovely voyage. Remember also to share the many discount traveling coupons provided to you by helpful Pukwar disembarking agents. After some days from your voyage, many earther feel a big sad of missing for the lovely world of the Pukwar peoples. This sad may have a big heavy of the limbs, paining in abdomen, inside the head strikes, blood making from here and there, and other such small emotions. 
Best for this sad is to retreat with quickness to special place for a range of your self-memories to loveliness. Your special place should have elevated temperature and humidity. Also, it will be most helpful to be a place where nearby pass many lovely earther. For your lovely voyage, from these small health tips for traveler, the governings of the Pukwar peoples wish yourselves a voyage for joy always after in your self-memory. Also having hopes of long joy for the Pukwar peoples to visit the lovely earth. Echoes of the Bouncing Ball by Paul Selmer Wheeler's ship back to Earth launched in nine minutes, yet he had a promise to keep. He raced down a crowded corridor, briefcase banging against his knees, and stopped in front of a little starport kiosk crammed between a pretzel shop and a newsstand. The warm, beery smell of just-baked pretzels was inviting, but he didn't have time to eat. "'Excuse me,' Wheeler said. "'I'm looking for something, for my son. He's six. "'A souvenir?' said the kiosk shopkeeper, blinking as if just awakened from a very long sleep. The shopkeeper spoke in polite and nearly unaccented English. "'Yes, but something special, and I'm in a hurry.' Lately, it seemed to Wheeler he was always in a hurry, and he had not been feeling like his old self either, especially on this trip that took him to a far corner of the galaxy he had never been to before. The shopkeeper's smile was a faint path of merry tangle of wrinkles. For some reason, the face seemed familiar to Wheeler. Of course, when one had been to so many starports, they all seemed to blur together. But irritation shook these thoughts out of his head as he watched the maddeningly slow hands of the shopkeeper carefully place two boxes on the counter. "'Sir, I see you have not been here long,' the shopkeeper said as he adjusted the position of the spectacles resting on his long-pointed nose. "'In our culture it is quite impolite to—how do you say—recommend. But perhaps one of these things will do.' "'What's that?' Wheeler pointed to the larger box. The shopkeeper opened it like he had all the time in the world. Inside was a silver cylinder about half a meter long. The shopkeeper lifted the cylinder from the box, and enormous, delicate dragonfly wings unfolded, made of some iridescent material that sparkled as they moved. A very popular item. It is controlled by your thoughts. A pure joy to play with, if I might say so myself, the shopkeeper said. Hmm, said Wheeler. I think I might have seen something like that before. How about the other one? Ah, this one is rather different. Unique. The shopkeeper opened the small box about the size of a closed fist. Wheeler shuffled his feet as he checked his watch. It looks like a blue ball, said Wheeler, unable to restrain his frustration any longer. No, said the shopkeeper. There is nothing like this on your world. It records everything about you, including the quantum state of each molecule in your body. And so, I'm not a scientist. I sell terraforming systems. The children on our planet love these. They use it to play a game. Echo, in your language. But now that I think about it, this particular toy might not be suitable for... Look, interrupted Wheeler. I don't have much time. How much? Only a moment later, Wheeler had paid the price and put the small box in his briefcase. As he ran out, Wheeler nearly knocked over a thin man with a dark briefcase rushing in. Wheeler was stiff from the long voyage on the cramped ship. At the instant he arrived home, Wheeler knelt down and his young son leapt into his arms. Wheeler's wife, Sarah, glared. Richard, we need to talk. I just got back, said Wheeler. You're gone too much, she said, watching the boy squirm out of his father's arms. Only three weeks. For you, 
but for every week you're on the transport, a month goes by here. Wheeler watched his son snoop around his bags and briefcase. Sarah, you know me and that jerk Wilcox are both up for the same opening. I can make regional manager. You've already done very well, Richard. We have enough money. You could get something else. We've had this argument before. Yeah, and I'm sick of it, Sarah said as she walked out of the hallway. Wheeler knew he couldn't win. He looked around for his son, who had wandered off, and opened his briefcase. Hey, sport, I got you this. The boy came back and looked at the ball. Wheeler tried to ignore the disappointment dimming his son's eyes as the boy took the little blue ball into his hands, turning it over and over again. Thirty-four years later, Wheeler's bones ached. He was long divorced and alone, and his son had stopped coming to visit years ago. In a corner, on a shelf of dusty photographs, rested the forgotten off-world toy they had never figured out. He thought about the day he had given it to his son. Wheeler's eyes swelled with tears, and he wiped them away with his fingers. He picked up the ball. A wet fingertip grazed the... Suddenly the room felt like it was spinning. Colors blurred together. Wheeler's ears were filled with the deafening roar of a chorus of indecipherable whispers. And then there was the warm, unmistakable smell of fresh pretzels. "'Back again?' chirped the shopkeeper. The spinning stopped. Wheeler struggled to refocus his eyes. What? The toy. Don't you remember? There are usually enough entangled particles to spark awareness of the quantum bifurcations. Your other recorded timelines, that is. Assuming you pay attention, of course. Wheeler stumbled out of the kiosk, bumping into a thin man about his own height, carrying a black briefcase. The two exchanged a quick glance. The man's face seemed etched by some great sadness. Wheeler turned back. I changed my mind. I'll take the other box. An excellent choice, at last, laughed the shopkeeper. When Wheeler finally returned home, he knelt and his son leapt with joy into his arms. Wheeler's wife glared. Richard, we need to talk. I know. I don't think you do, said Sarah, crossing her arms across her chest. I do. Trust me. For one thing, I took your advice. I quit the job. Wheeler smiled. Now? Really? said Sarah. She unfolded her arms, resting her hands on her hips, and she actually smiled back at him. Later that day, Wheeler and his son went to a green park on the outskirts of the city. They found themselves a quiet, shaded corner to lie down in. Then they both took turns with a dragonfly, soaring it through great, graceful arcs in and out of the treetops, the toy's unfolded wings glinting a rainbow of colors as they caught the unhurried rays of the bright sun. Tornado on Fire by Luke Reed You ain't never seen a true and actual heart-stopping terror till you've seen a tornado on fire. They rise up on out of volcanoes in the midst of hurricanes, most likely during an earthquake, and they're so tall they've been known to scorch up the moon. They set lakes a-billin', cows a-cookin' to a well-done state, and they'll melt everything a-wax for twenty miles round. I was only eight the first time I seen a tornado on fire. It waltzed through our town and made all the windows shatter and the foundations crack. My mama and my twelve sisters died from the fright right then and there, and my daddy, he aged a hundred years just from the pity and awfulness of the experience. Been a kid with no more brains than a run-over snake. I didn't think too much of it, except I knowed ever since then I must have been born to chase tornadoes on fire. And that's what I'd done for seventy-eight years, 
getting paid no more and keep food in my belly and tires on my pickup by them silky palm snail eating Mr. Wizard types who just shiver to know anything I can gather up to tell them. And I done it good, too, tracking 18th tornadoes on fire so close they near always singed off my eyebrows. But this last one, oh, Lord, it weren't like them others. This one was tall enough to burn the moon right up if it had happened to be out just then, and it vaporized rivers and turned a strip of desert a mile wide to glass. But it weren't the size of it as turned me yellow. Lordy, no. This one had iron sharks in it, which is more than a mortal man can bear to see. And that's why I'm here applying for my Social Security benefits. And those were the winners of Escape Pod's third annual Iron Shark competition. Uh, flash fiction contest. Thanks to all who participated by either submitting work or voting. A lot of really great stories turned up this year, and it was a lot of fun. Let's go now to Escape Pod's assistant editor, Nathan Lee, with some episode feedback. Greetings and salutations, Escape Potters. Assistant editor Nathan here with the feedback of episode 367, Lion Dance, by Vilar Kafton. This was the story of a group of young men's quest through a plague-ridden city in fancy lion pants. Reaction was mixed. The first few comments unfortunately set the tone of complaints, stilted reading, perceptions of a message, etc., and that pretty much shaped the thread. Even people who liked it felt like they had to rebut points instead of just talking about the story. For the record, my job at least is easier if you do the latter more than the former. Yes, even if they're really, really wrong. At any rate, Loyal Eagle was the opinion leader, summing up most of the recurrent complaints thusly. This was one of my least favorite stories of late. I found the main character not only a somewhat stupid person, but also the kind of stupid person I wouldn't like spending a moment in the presence of. The slang and constant exclamations broke up the flow of the dialogue to the point where I was constantly distracted. I enjoyed the idea of a lion parade through the quarantined streets of a city, but that joyous scene, thankfully devoid of most of the distracting lingo, shortly fell away in the face of the author's ham-handed attempts to discuss gay culture, disease, and the nature of friendship. CryptoMe was one of those responding to these issues, saying, I liked the way the characters were themselves, and decidedly didn't push any agenda. This was no more about gay rights than it was about Chinese rights, or teen rights, or citizens' rights. I also really liked that the story was so casually told from the perspective of a non-white culture. There was a lot of interesting detail that enriched my understanding of the culture in a natural and entertaining way, and the Asian exclamations and such were part of this, so I thought they were great. Meanwhile, Thunderscreech was convinced that the flash mob would turn out to be actual zombies, based on the confluence of 1. Halloween, 2. Some dressed as hospital staff, 3. So many out during curfew, 4. A killer flu variant, I was in tenderhooks waiting for their dance to turn bloody. Well done, misdirection. And that's it for this week. Join us next week when we take the comments for episode 368 out, Dancing Through the Zombie Apocalypse. Get your flu shots, everyone. See you then. Thanks, Nathan. All right, folks, that's our show. But before we close things out here, I wanted to take this opportunity to thank a listener for his recent beyond generous contribution to Escape Pod. Charlie Whiskey says he found Escape Pod this spring, and it's drastically improved his life by making his daily commute a little more bearable. Thanks, Charlie. We aim to please. And we very much appreciate your contribution. 
Folks at home, Escape Pod's a donation-supported operation, if you didn't know. We rely on the support of listeners like yourself who get this show for free, but want to take things a step further and show their appreciation by helping us clear the red each year. We're a professional fiction market that pays professional writers professional rates, and we do this only with your help. Consider making a donation to Escape Pod yourself. You'll find support options off our webpage, escapepod.org. Escape Pods, a production of Escape Artists Incorporated, and is brought to you with a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License, which means don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. Our theme music is by monster surf rock band Daikaiju. Check them out at daikaiju.org. And our closing quotation this week comes from American travel writer Paul Theroux, who said, Fiction gives us a second chance that life denies us.